Oh, the weather outside is frightful. And COVID makes it not so delightful. And since we've got no place to go, let's get on with the What the Blank Show. Christmas. My name is Vince. And I'm Frankie. And welcome to a holly jolly first episode of What the Blank. Well, if you haven't guessed it by now, we're going to talk about what's the big deal about Christmas in this holiday special. We'll be covering shopping, Christmas songs, best gifts for dad. Is Santa actually real? And how did we get from Jesus to a fat man in a red jacket? We'll also be discussing our own holiday traditions, our favourite holiday movies, and, (laughs) well, a little surprise about a favourite film, Home Alone. A little bit of an interesting take on a holiday classic. So hold on to your milk and cookies as we begin to deck the halls and get to the bottom of the biggest holiday of the year. I'm allergic to milk. And I love cookies. <laughs> Before we kick this one horse open sled into gear, we need to turn the clock back to the scariest time of the year. Yeah, Halloween. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I don't know about you, but I didn't celebrate Halloween this year. Neither did I. To be honest, I don't celebrate Halloween any when the day year. came, I don't even know what day it is. I came home from uni, did a bit of work, had dinner, went to bed. Exactly. So, I mean, our na- my neighbours across the road, they put decorations up because they got young kids and the young kids went trick-or-treating, but I never did that as a kid. Exactly. I mean, I see some kid knock on my door, ask for candy. What do I think I am here? <laughs> Charity? I'll ask him for candy. <laughs> oh. Well, this whole um, phenomenon of Halloween... It's, it's massive in the United States, it is. but not here. Here, it's not really that big a thing. I mean, I mean, heck, pumpkins don't even grow in the springtime. Yeah. I mean, the main thing that people have is Halloween parties, and that's more for older, like, adolescents. Exactly. Not really for people our age, not really for people with young kids. You know who celebrates Halloween the most in Australia? Who? It's the retail stores. <laughs> it's the supermarkets. You're speaking from experience. Exactly. I went to um, Cheapest Chips. Yeah. Back when I was a kid, and they had these giant hairy spiders at Halloween, and I was scared to death. I have not been in the cheapest chip store ever since. Yes, they're lifelike size spiders. No, no, these were not lifelike. <laughs> these were the size of this damn table. They were hairy, they were brown. I'm like, nah, nah, that's too much. I'm gonna have a heart attack. Jeez. What do you the scariest thing they put in the, in the supermarkets? Yeah. Well, I don't know. But I've seen ghosts, ghouls, and underpaid staff chrome <laughs> the halls. And I tell you what, there's nothing scarier than the look the Coles checkout chick gave me when I bought a pallet's worth of Freddo frogs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it was Halloween. <laughs> oh. But it seems that once midnight hits on the 31st of October, it's like Cinderella. The yep. jack-o'-lanterns turn back into normal pumpkins and they're replaced with an elf on the shelf. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to get to the bottom of why do stores... You know, flipped. Exactly. Yeah. Why do they set out Christmas like so early? Exactly. They're flipping <laughs> I'm going to buy this, I'm going to flip it. Oh. Uh, but that phenomenon is where the stores change to the Christmas spirit is called the Christmas creep. Christmas creep. And an ABC article actually went through the Christmas creep and boiled the motivation for it down to three things. So the Christmas creep is an actual thing. Yeah, it's, it's n- a global phenomenon in the Western world mainly. So it's not your uncle you only see once a year. <laughs> no, it's your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now, so number one of the reasons that motivate Christmas creep is that it's signal shoppers. Working in retail, you'd understand the psychology behind shoppers. Yeah. And that when they see 
the Christmas decorations come out, they start thinking about Christmas. But you know? people should surely know when Christmas is. You don't need to see trees in the aisles, right? People know, but they always have the feeling it's far away. I don't have to worry about it now. But when they see those decorations come out, they say, oh, I better start thinking about it. I don't want Arnie Rita to forget a gift this year. She's going to hate me again. You know, you don't want that to happen. So you, you start thinking about it. So how early is too early, though? I mean, I've seen stores do Christmas in July. <laughs> Which stores? <laughs> All stores. Your uncle's fruit and veg store. <laughs> That's just oh. called getting a good deal in July, not Christmas. <laughs> oh. uh, but so, yeah, so Christmas time... It's not near the tax year, so people are happy to spend the money. And then once th that, after Halloween, stores start targeting their customers. Exactly. They start making them think about Halloween. They start, not Halloween, they start making them think about Christmas. Sorry. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and they start again to open their wallet a bit more. They have to worry exactly. about the tax season. They can be a little bit more generous. And they've got to think about their family. So they need to open up that wallet. And you know, when you have a large family, like Australians do, because we have a growing population, you go into the supermarket at least three times a week to feed your family. And you see those, those de mm -hmm. Christmas decorations. You're con it's constantly being reinforced. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Christmas, Christmas is coming. coming. Right? Guess the damn gifts. And this doesn't only help the consumer and the customer. It actually helps the retail stores themselves. Hmm. By advertising that now's the time to get the stock, they get a chance to clear it out. It's, it's purely operational. Exactly. I mean, working in retail, I'm sure you would see the sales go up when the minute you start putting the Christmas decorations. Exactly, and the reason why you see a lot of these sales happen 50% off, it's because there's that much stock behind in the, in the store's docks, they just have to lower the price to get rid of it. Exactly, exactly. I mean, are they actually lowering the prices though? Oh, you'd be very surprised. Yeah. And a lot of the time with retail stores, that's when the novelty gifts come out. That's when you see not only Christmas decorations to set up in the store, but to sell. Yes, yes. Right? A lot of toys come out, which you've never seen before. Mm. And even in stores that don't sell toys, that have toys out. Because, you know, they might have a demographic that shops that are probably middle-aged to older people. Exactly. And they've been buying toys for their kids, for their grandkids for Christmas. And it's that convenience factor. Why go to so many stores when you can only go to when you should just exactly. go to one? Kill two birds with one stone. Exactly. And you know, with the increasing price of petrol these days, you know, almost $2 a litre here in Adelaide, you, you don't want to be driving around to all these stores, you just want the one-stop shop. Exactly. And that's why we're going to see a lot of stock, you know, shortages. Yes. And a lot of prices potentially being driven up because the supply's not there. Yeah. So it's going to be the worst? What's going to be the worst? The bloody bus fare. Oh, don't tell me. The bus fare's going to go up and I can't use my student ID one anymore. You know what? I'm just going to go start walking <laughs> to uni. <laughs> Uh, and the second motivation for the Christmas creep is the mental wallet. Mm -hmm. So Vinny, do you want to go into this a little bit more deep? Yeah, so pretty much we've kind of talked already about having, um, obviously it's after tax time, there's money to spend, so it's got to spend on the most holiday time of the year. Um, pretty much by letting people know, you know, early on, get your Christmas sales in now. It's alerting customers to the price savings. Yeah. And they start budgeting exactly. towards your prices. And, I mean, when, you, when you're shopping around, when you hear the constant music chimes and when you hear sale, 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 
Are you, mood to dance. are you really looking at the prices though? Or are you just filling up your trolley? Exactly. When you got a good salesperson come and tell you, oh, this is a really good product. How can you say no? It's a good price, a good product. You want to get When things it. are flying off the shelf, as soon as you get your hand on something that someone might like, you take you it. You take it. Yeah. It's, just, it's the way the, the shops work. People don't see how much something is worth based on how much it costs. People buy because of the savings now. Yeah. They see 50% off. They see 60% off. It's a bargain. Yeah. But what are you actually spending? Whether the price actually drops and is not the question. They and, think it has. And is price really, you know, the dominating factor on how much something is worth? Yeah, exactly. I reckon when it comes to Christmas, is I think it's more about the reaction of the person who you're giving the gift to. Exactly. That determines the real price and you can't put a price tag. Like if I open up a box and it's got one roll of toilet paper, I'll be shitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> At least you got something to wipe with this exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the third one, which I found quite interesting, the third motivation is it's operational. So throughout the year, when it's not Christmas, October, I mean, stores have all these Christmas supplies all stored up in the back and they obviously have a lot. Mm-hmm. And that takes up room for stock. Exactly. So the minute they're able to take their Halloween stuff down, they put their Christmas stuff up, stuff up to create more room in the back for more product. I'm sure you would have seen this working in retail. Exactly. That, the amount of space that's created by taking all those decorations out, you can put heaps of retail there. Exactly. That increases profits. The worst thing to hear at Christmas time is when a customer asks, do you have more at the back? Yeah, I got a whole damn store at the back. Exactly right. <laughs> it is like that. That's the thing. And that's why, um, you know, that's why Christmas sales are quite big. Not as big as Boxing Day sales, though. No, but we get into we'll that, get later. that later. Yeah. I mean, what would be worse, though, in your personal opinion? Christmas decorations being set up in September? Or Hot Cross Buns being released in January? I do like Hot Cross Buns. Yeah? What type of Hot Cross Buns? Chocolate, Sultana, no Sultana? It's got to have Sultana Field. Yep. Butter across, oh, toasted in the griller. Beautiful. When that butter melts, that is the tea. That is the oh, that's the peak of hot cross buns. You like chocolate ones? Chocolate ones, choc chip, oh, and double choc chip. When it melts, choc fudge. Oh, that's the best. When that, those choc chips melt in the hot cross bun, it's just a different taste, a different feeling. And that's what you want. Now you know the article finished mm-hmm. by saying how I asked that question here because the article finishes saying the earlier shops prepare for Christmas, the more Grinch-like we become. So our heart decides to shrink three sizes too small. <laughs> exactly. And you become more greedy. You don't want to spend as much. No, you don't. You want to spend a lot on Christmas gifts. But, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so what if we applied the same situation to Easter? Would people become more Grinch-like to the Easter season as they are to the Christmas season? Well, the problem with Easter is, well, in the Catholic Easter... There's no set date. Yeah, Everyone knows when Christmas is, yeah. right? But Easter could be <laughs> could be any time in what, April. The funniest March? thing is, the Greek Easter is always a week or two weeks after. For the cheaper eggs. Very smart. Cheaper <laughs> chocolate, cheaper eggs. <laughs> All right. Now moving on to our next topic. We have a. I think Vince, you want to take this one here away. Yeah, sure thing. 
But the worst thing about Christmas shopping is hearing the same holiday tunes over and over and over and over and over. Like and a broken over. record. Like a broken record. Speaking of records, it's time to introduce a new segment to the What the Blank podcast. It's Vinny's Vitals! From the moment the first notes are hit on the synthesized bell chimes, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You is the most instantly recognizable song you'll hear in stores. That is a good song. It is a great song, the first hundred times you hear it. <laughs> but no, this song really gave Mariah Carey her spot in the, yeah, in the limelight. The world, exactly. I mean, she is the queen of Christmas after she all. She is, she is. So yeah, this How song, old is that song This song came out in 1994. Wow. This so the, yeah. almost 20 years. It's 20, older than us. Yeah, 20, 30 years old. Yeah. Um, so this came, this was the lead single off of her, uh, yeah. one of Being her best-selling albums. Single, yeah. Is it a solo though? Did she produce this by herself? She actually worked alongside a really well-known co-writer and co-producer. Really? You never hear of who You've never heard this guy? Yeah. His name's Walter Afanasia. Um Apologies if I pronounced that wrong. Yeah, uh, I've never heard of him. I feel from the 80s, uh, you might have known him as Baby Love. I'm 20. I've got to be from the 80s, mate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't look um, that old. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, no, this guy wrote some amazing songs for some amazing artists. What's that movie with DiCaprio and the, the iceberg oh, and iceberg. the boat? Oh, um, Wolf of Wall Street. No. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he's got the yacht in it. It's and not the yacht, though. It's Jonah that, Hill it's when he that cruiser. It's that Titanic. The Titanic. Oh, Titanic. That's it. Right. That was a big insurance job, wasn't it? <sighs> the Titanic wasn't even real, I tell you what. <laughs> I mean, it was a great fictitious movie. We all know that Titanic was an insurance job. Um, but yeah, the song Celine Dion performs, My Heart Will Go On, this guy wrote as well. That goes like a... Wherever you are, I believe... Oh, spot on. Oh, cheers, man. That song couldn't save Jack, though. No. Such rubbish. You know, Mythbusters even did an episode where if... They got the life jackets from the dead people in the water, put it underneath the wood. Mm. Jack and Rose could have floated safely on there and they could have lived happily ever after. But then James Cameron comes along. It was in the script. It was in the script. It was in the script. Madon! Oh. But another Celine Dion song this guy wrote was um, the title song from Beauty and the Beast. What movie is that? The one with the beauty and the beast. Kind of like us. But yeah um, She was a beast wasn't she (laughs) So what makes The Christmas song A Christmas song Why is All I Want For Christmas Is You Topping the charts Every single holiday season Hearing those bells It gets people feeling optimistic It makes them feel great And Mm -hmm. good about themselves And that's what makes Christmas songs so great you know, they make people happy because Christmas is a season that should be celebrated. Should be a happy season where people are with family, mm-hmm. are with friends. They're having a little bit of a break from work. They're getting gifts. You exactly. Know? Those songs should reflect that attitude. That's why we have catchy lyrics that you can sing about everything. They're jingle very bell, inclusive. Jingle bell, jingle bell you know, mixing and mangling the jingling feet. Yeah, well, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. But there's one song, one famous Christmas song's lyrics that it's not even about Christmas. 
what song's that? Last Christmas. I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. <laughs> this year. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, the late what great George Michael. What a wonderful song with Wham. Exactly. But it's not a Christmas song. But it is though. It's the music that makes it a Christmas song. But if you actually listen to it, but it could have been last last Easter. September, yeah. last Easter, I last Saturday. So it's the it must be the music that makes a good Christmas song. I a second Christmas that. Song. Speaking of Christmas songs, Mariah Carey was actually not the highest selling Christmas album. No. No, she's only sold 5.7 million copies. So whose is it? Bublé? No, he's only sold 4.13 million less than Mariah. Less than Mariah Carey. The highest selling Christmas album is by the King of Rock himself. Elvis, Elvis Presley. Presley. Yep. Who sold 10 million albums. Jeez. We don't even hear this album. I would not have known if it existed if I hadn't researched it. Exactly. You know? Like, no one hears this when we all hear Mariah Carey, Michael Bublé, who comes out of his cave for Christmas. But never Elvis. Too much peanut butter banana sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> and the hardest thing to do is listen to these songs over and over again while shopping for gifts. Yeah, but not just shopping for gifts. Shopping for gifts for difficult people. Exactly. So when you're shopping for your family, it's not too bad. Your siblings are going, yay, I like it. Your mum, she can hide whether she doesn't like it or not. Your grandparents, they love it. It's something from the grandparents. But your father. Your dad, if he doesn't like it, he will tell you. And how do you get a gift for someone who tells you straight up, I don't want anything for Christmas? <laughs> do you reckon they just say it so they don't get disappointed? <laughs> They're disappointed in us already. <laughs> That's why he says not to show me your report card. Oh. <laughs> but seriously though, what do you get someone that doesn't want anything? I reckon you have to really focus on stuff they like. I know my dad, he loves bunnies. Mm -hmm. So we usually get him some tools or a bunnies gift voucher. Exactly. And he likes that. And gift cards do come in clutch at Christmas time. Yes, they do. Because then you can go to Boxing Day sale after. Exactly. And get him. Speaking yeah. of Boxing Day, what's the best day to buy a gift? Well, obviously, Christmas is the 25th of December. Yep. So the best time to get your Christmas gifts is the 26th. <laughs> it's Boxing Day. What makes Boxing Day so good though? Well, simple. Stores Bo have got to get rid of all the stock that we've talked about that's crammed in their back, in their docks. And how do you get rid of stock? Sell it. Exactly. And how do you sell more to more customers? Drop the price. Right. So this sales on Boxing Day are way less, like the price on Boxing Day is way less and the price before Christmas. Exactly. And even uh, even Black Friday sales are no match to Boxing Day. So they're the only two days you go out. Exactly right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you reckon um, a gift voucher, right? Yep. Can be exchanged for other gifts. No well, matter the value. It's essentially cash with, cash with an expiry date. That's yep. what it is. But does cash have an expiry date? Oh, <laughs> cash doesn't. Yeah, but does that mean gift cards should have an expiry date? Or do you reckon it's more of a use before recommended day well the thing is the person that gets you the gift card obviously wants you to use it so that's why there's the time so like with your bunnings gift card can you use it on a bunnings snag yes any amount is worth one snag with that beautiful so you're saying you'd use an entire hundred dollar gift card for bunnings on a snag yes <laughs> you, can, you cannot you cannot put a price on the feeling oh. of having a freshly cooked snag Beautiful grown sauce, taking the first bite out of that. You cannot put a price on that. And that's worth every dollary dos and every centity twos that it, you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I've never heard anyone that excited over a snag. Speaking of that, I'm feeling a bit hungry. I want a snag now. Bunnings, please give us some. <laughs> well, you go, even gift cards are... Do you, would you ever consider getting a gift card, using some of the gift card, and then gifting that same gift card? Well, that's the thing. If it's like cash, what's stopping me from using $20 on a $50 gift card and re-gifting a $30 gift card to someone else? <laughs> I'm sure it's happened before. And I'm sure it's going to happen again this Christmas. <laughs> I'm sure we know a couple of people. Oh... Uh... Oh, that looks like it's about to hit the break time. Ooh, let's get something uh, to eat. We have an advertisement today from our sponsor who isn't really sponsoring us. Mike's <laughs> Accounting. <laughs> you can always count on me. <laughs> what else did he say, Chens? Uh... Oh. <laughs> 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 uh... For all your taxation needs, contact Mike now. On 0406-246-827. He'll make sure to balance those books. And if he doesn't... Well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go back. <laughs> there goes your Christmas gift fund. <laughs> okay, now... We mentioned at the beginning that we're going to talk a little bit about Santa. Exactly. So, so how do we get from the birth of Jesus Christ to a... Dude in a red costume sliding down chimneys. You know oh. what are the what's the origin of Santa Claus? I mean, you you ever heard of Santa Claus being called Saint Nick? Oh, Saint Nicholas, Father yeah, Christmas. Saint Nicholas. Oh, yeah, here to. Well, apparently Saint Nick was actually a bishop in the fourth century AD, and he's from a little town in modern, modern Turkey called Mira. So he's got to be real because it's a. I mean, he's immortal. Oh, is is this the same Saint yeah. Nick? So, um, he was, in his time, he was known to be kind and generous to children, giving out gifts and looking after them. Mm -hmm. So then, when he passed away, parents would celebrate St. Nicholas Day by when their kids went to bed, they'd bring them gifts, and when the kids woke up, they'd say, St. Nick gave it to you. Wow. Yeah, so then, it developed more from a bishop to a man riding a donkey, mm -hmm. not reindeers, and he wore a pointy hat. Okay. So it's a bit uglier than the current uh, interpretation that we have. So, Santa Claus... Could potentially have been a witch. Yeah, he could have been. <laughs> a nice witch. Standards. The good witch I of the mean, north. The most interesting thing with that donkey concept, the Dutch really brought it forward. Really? So Dutch kids, <laughs> they'd leave out some milk and cookies for Santa and his donkey. After Santa alone, St. Nick. Mm -hmm. And then they would fill their clogs with straw. So their clogs are clogs that Dutch people shoot. Okay. And they're made of wood. So, so not crocs. Hey, <laughs> Crocs are a standard of their own. These are called clogs. <laughs> clogs. Now, yours are walking around. You're sweating in these clogs all day. You take them off. You put hay and you expect this donkey to eat it. They put hay and straw in their clogs, leave them out for the donkey to eat, and they wake up in the morning and they find gifts in their clogs. So what if they woke up and the clogs were gone? <laughs> <laughs> what if, the, what if someone took come. them away? They didn't come. But who wants to walk around sweating in the field all day? Take off your clogs. You put your straw in, hoping a donkey eats it. You got these smelly feet. These people didn't probably didn't bath that much. You got these smelly feet. You put a straw in. I don't think, think baths were invented back then. You think a donkey wants to come eat this straw? You're nuts. <laughs> if I was a donkey, no thank you. What if it's donkey from Shrek? What if Shrek is Santa Claus? That'll do, donkey. That'll do. <laughs> and in the morning, I'm making waffles. So then the, um, 
the myth of, of Santa mm -hmm. grew further when the Americans found and Dutch settlers brought it over. Okay. And they brought the term in Knickerbockers. Knickerbockers? Yeah, so that's a term from the US. Not really used here, but it's you. It's a Christmas term used in... Knickerbockers. Yeah, in um, the US. And it's used mm -hmm. to describe traditional Dutch stories and traditions. Yeah. So then, um, as time prog progressed, there was a book that was written. I forgot the name, <laughs> but that really helped advance. It's actually a really common book. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, time goes on. Well, obviously, the myth gets bigger and change from generation to generation. Yeah, we see the pointy at start to sag and drop. Yep. So that's what happened. So the Dutch would have called him Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. But then that translates for English speakers to Santa Claus. Santa which Claus. Which is what we know him today. And that was... Of course. That was started in New York. <laughs> I'm going to find a clause against puns. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Santa Claus. <laughs> For breaking houses. So then we'll 1800 soldiers in the Civil War, they made pictures that they received gifts from Santa. Mm. And it wasn't until Coca-Cola led the charge of the 20th century where we got the tradition of the man in the white beard and the red coat. So you're saying Coca-Cola made Santa Claus? Yes. The common Santa Claus we see today. Pretty much. He doesn't. They don't have the you know, rights for the current one, but they really brought the tradition of Santa Claus forward. Well, no wonder. If we have just... If Christmas is all about being happy, giving gifts, yeah. then have it with a can of Coke. Exactly. And that's obviously where we get the red from. And get diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> Too now, many milk and cookies. More interestingly, Chens, does Santa exist? Now, if you are below the ages of six, please turn off this podcast right now and go to bed. Listen what? to your parents, and it's a bit past your bedtime. I'm sure when you close your eyes, Santa will have been giving you plenty of gifts. If you are older than the age of six, please take a time to have a break and continue. Well, I believe with Santa Claus, I call it the Santa cycle. There's four stages in belief in Santa Claus. The first stage is when all the kids that have just <laughs> turned off this uh, podcast, you believe in Santa. Right? Why shouldn't you? Your parents tell you Santa exists. And Your parents are right. The second stage, you don't believe in Santa. Right? Your parents tell you, or you find out from somewhere else. Yep. Hopefully not us. <laughs> the third stage is, when you have kids, you become Santa Claus. Oh, and you believe and that, you are Santa. Exactly. And that fourth stage, well, you begin to look like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, the, in, a, in a sense, in that spirit, I believe Santa Claus is real. Personally, yeah, though, real. personally, do you believe in Santa Claus? Well, I mean... As a real person, as a real entity with giving gifts? <laughs> nope. You haven't seen any gifts lately? I've seen gifts, but <laughs> I don't want anything from strangers. <laughs> well, believe it or not, it was actually an author named Richard Dawkins who went out to write a book about how Santa's not real. He said that even if Santa could fit in a chimney, he would not be able to deliver gifts to every child in the world, even if his reindeers were supersonic. So supersonic means five times the speed of light. So that wouldn't be possible. Now, do you have a chimney at home? <laughs> I don't know one person that has a chimney. I don't have a chimney street. at home. What did your parents tell you about how Santa would get in your house? Well, I've heard, well, a couple of years, he may have had a, you know, magical key to open the doors. That's what I heard as well. My mum told me he had a key that was for every house. Or, you know, he decided to throw a rock at the window and <laughs> jump in. <laughs> of course we found out later it was the neighbours, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Now, that's like those stories sound fake, but what if there was an actual scientific explanation to Santa? So you're saying like a Santa, the science of Santa? Yes, because I was reading mm-hmm. that a physicist actually came up with a counter-argument to Richard Dawkins' book. He said, what if we consider Santa as a mi- mac- macroscopic quantum object? For all of you at home that don't understand this scientific term, including myself, <laughs> what the blank does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so from my understanding of it, Macroscopic quantum objects are similar to quantum entanglement. Mm. And that's uh, the ability for a quantum object to be at two places at the same time. It's a feature in a quantum world such that, such as say, um, particles and electrons can exhibit where they can be in more places at a time, which is what I said before, provided that nobody is watching. So, like when I turn on my VPN, I'm in Australia, yes. I'm across the globe in China. But more importantly though, Santa doesn't come when you're away. Well, these particles can't be in more than one place, provided can be in more than one place, provided that nobody's watching. So, so the children s- should have to be asleep for Santa to come. And isn't that line from the famous song? He sees you when you're He's sleeping. sleeping. He, knows he knows when you're, you're awake. awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so, so be, be good, good for goodness, goodness sake. sake. Furthermore, these quantum particles exhibit a property called the wave particle duality, and that is. Particle can both be, or an object can be both be a wave and a particle. So when Santa is going through a chimney, he's a wave. And then when he gives you your presence, he's a particle. So you're essentially saying that Santa is essentially Ant Man. Pretty changing much. Changing size, Santa changing particles. Can be justified through a physics explanation. And what's even more convincing is that these macroscopic quantum objects. Observe the rules of the quantum world. When cooled within absolute zero, so minus 273 degrees Celsius, he acts like a normal atom. Acts like the normal things you and I are made of. So you're saying it has to be very, very cold where Santa Claus lives for him to exist, for him to be like a normal atom when he normally exists. Hence why... The North Pole. Yes! The coldest spot on the planet. Exactly, so he lives in the North Pole, so he can be act like a normal atom so he can be a normal human and then when he goes around the world he's able to exhibit the wave particle duality so he can travel from house to house and do more than one house at the same time is this not groundbreaking to you? <laughs> this is <laughs> got the wheezes here oh no call an oh. ambulance somebody get in <laughs> this is more shocking than finding out Santa Claus wasn't real in the first place <laughs> I know. Now you're telling me he is real? Who am I'm, I going to believe? I'm questioning my own thoughts as well. So if Santa Claus can be found as real, what about the Easter Bunny? That's the episode for the... That's what about the, the Tooth Fairy? That's the topic for the uh, Easter episode. But it's, isn't that amazing that a physics explanation can actually explain how Santa gets around, why he exists where he exists, and how he does all it all at once. It's amazing. That guy is really using his PhD for something helpful. Exactly, he's using his PhD. Alright, and now with Santa in the North Pole talking about that, he has a uh, workshop there, doesn't he? Yeah, well, how else are the toys going to be made? What um, OHS issues do you reckon he has? Well, (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, between you and me, I reckon Santa's underpaying his little elves. They've been talking to you? I don't know, I've heard it from the <laughs> North Pole grapevine. <laughs> How much did he pay them? I, I don't Do they get paid child fees? <laughs> Would he fall under the union of magic ma fairy tale creatures? Headed by Shrek and Donkey and Puss and Boots? They better have dental where they're working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no dental, that's a, that's a union issue. But OHS is safe from being considered for these elves. We need to think about it. They're dealing with heavy items. Yeah, heavy for them especially being elves. <laughs> exactly. I mean, for them to put, you know, put and take apart presents, it could... I mean, obviously you're going to be needing to wear proper safety equipment, which hopefully Santa does apply. And if they're working all year round, when do they get annual leave? If they get annual leave. Do they just get that one day of annual leave on the 25th? So you're saying they have to work night and day, 364 days a year. Yep. To get one day off. Is that a big OHS problem or what? Do they, do they retire? Do they get to retire? Or they work? How long do they live for? Also, where do they live? Surely Santa's. Uh... Santa has his lodge with Mrs. Claus. Yeah. And that gets a bit crowded at night. <laughs> so, for real, where did the elves stay? I mean, <laughs> understandable for Santa, who is this particle we keep talking about that's yeah. okay to be in the cold climate. But what about, but the, what elves? about the elves? I mean, they live. Elves have a lifespan of 750 years. Whoa, where'd you get that one from? The internet. <laughs> <laughs> and so, they be slaving their days away for mm -hmm. 750 years. That's, that's a moment of a millennium, you know? That's crazy. Their whole life, they're brought up, work for Santa. Their life, work for Santa. You only get one day off. Then they die. Where do they get buried? Who replaces them? Do they have families? So you're saying they put all their time, labour and resources into one central head? Yes. Is Santa a communist? Maybe change those colours red and white to red and yellow. Yeah. We're discovering more about this man. Maybe we should boycott Christmas this year in support for the inhumane treatment the elves are suffering. Exactly. So what else does everyone like to do at Christmas, Christmas time? Christmas movies. Christmas movies are some of the best movies ever made. Yeah. I mean, The Grinch. The Grinch. Yeah. Home Alone. Home Alone. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Is that a Halloween movie? Is it a Christmas movie? Who knows? Hey, it's like the decorations. Should they be up? Should exactly. they be up? Well, I tell you what. Oh, what's the other one? Um, Charles Dickens. Christmas Carol? Yes, Christmas. You know what? That's excellent. Someone's tried to commit, convince me Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Who? I don't know. <laughs> John McClane. <laughs> yeah. So, but just on one of the most cherished Christmas movies of all time, Home Alone. Beautiful movie. Joe Pesci. But it's legally flawed. How? Well, Kevin is in about the it. right to defend himself. Is he? Not? Well, let's, let's start off. And imagine if Home Alone took place <laughs> a block across the road, right? Right. Well, there are laws in place for leaving your kid at home. Like, I mean, I know in Australia there's no one specific law saying, you know, how old children must be before you can actually leave them home alone. Um, but in a couple of places like Queensland, it's a criminal offence under their uh, section 364A of their criminal code, uh, 1899, that if you leave a child under 12 for an unreasonable amount of time without supervision, you've committed a criminal offence. Jeez, his parents were So, Kevin, how old's Kevin? He's about 12. About 12? Well, I mean, <laughs> Kevin's parents could face up to three years in prison. Jeez. Uh, because obviously, three days is an unreasonable amount of time. That is unreasonable. They didn't just go down to the shops. They went to a completely different country. 
So stay twice. And they did it twice. So they go to so they leave him home. They go to jail. They get out and they commit the same offence. Well, a little bit different. Repeat, aren't they repeat offenders? Surely. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that could warrant more time than three years. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh. But if we if we have a look here in in, Austra- in South Australia, our pride and joy Australia. town, right? I mean, obviously, parents are expected to provide food, clothing, a place to live, and safety and supervision, and that's all encompassed in the Family Law Act in South Australia here. And parents can even be charged with an offence, like we said before, if children are left in a dangerous situation and aren't fed or clothed or provided with anything. Yeah. Um, and it is hard to kind of picture what Home Alone would have been. If it was filmed in this generation. Yeah, it would have. Would a, would a 12-year-old kid know what to do? Yeah, they have cell phones, they've got their iPads. They also have much more advanced security systems in homes. Hmm. But not only that, but would a child know how to take care of himself like Macaulay Corkin's character did? It is a movie, mate. It is a movie. Now, what about the right to self-defence? Well, I mean, self-defence in itself is a bit tricky. But if we're talking about... The, uh, the damages that the wet bandits, <laughs> the wet bandits suffered, right? Well, Kevin's setting their booby traps. That's unreasonable self-defense. Booby traps right. are illegal. You can't set anything in your house that will cause serious harm to anyone. Get pro bono from this man. Right? It's it's true though. Because yeah. the courts will see that you know a life is more held. Protection of someone's life is more valued over protection of someone's property. Right, yeah. Right. So that's why booby traps aren't not a very common thing in Australia. So then what, could Kevin fight against the invaders legally without setting booby traps? So let's say they come in, they rob his house, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't set the booby traps. Well, he's... legal ground. He has potential to sue for trespass. Yep. So long that there is a direct and physical interference or intrusion with that land, which we see in the movie, to actually go in, unlock the doors, yeah. Um, it, that interference must be intentional, right? Or negligent, which clearly happens. They're going into the house for what? Steel. The steel stuff, yeah. I mean, I'm... Like, thinking about the movie, I remember reading about in the US, there was a man that broke into another man's home and he fell through the roof. Mm-hmm. But then he sued the people in the home for the damages. Ooh, and he exactly won. Exactly right. So... Does Joe Pesci have a case? He does have a case if he suffers any Tell harm. me about it. Well, let's talk about um, what Joe Pesci needs to prove to actually suffer, uh, to actually sue for damages on uh, any assault or any harm caused by Macaulay Corkin's actions. Yeah. So obviously, there has to be an intentional wrongful act, right? And we can see that <laughs> hitting someone with a paint can on the head, <laughs> right? Dropping spiders on people's and iron, faces. The iron. Right, you can. That is wrong. And uh, Macaulay Corkin, <laughs> he wanted to do it. That little, <laughs> that little bugger. Oh, right. And that—that obviously is an interference on a person, right? And it's clearly harmful. I mean, <laughs> they pretty much should have died in that movie. Yeah, they could have. Right. And that's that's pretty much it. But he can also both the wet bandits. Us, if they end up in a bit of a mental asylum for their uh, <laughs> for the trauma, they can probably they can potentially sue for psychiatric injury. Yeah, they could. They can. So physical damage and psychiatric damage. Exactly. How many years is Macaulay Culkin looking at? Well, I mean, this is all in the civil field, so it's not. Uh, Macaulay Culkin isn't serving time just yet. 
But his parents will be forking out a lot of money. Yeah, how much? <laughs> Potentially millions. She. So guys, if you are invaded, just leave the bloody house, all right? Just let them take what they want to take because yeah. life is more important. You can always property. rebuild a house. When you're behind bars, it's much harder to get out. I don't care what the Shawshank Redemption tells you, it's much harder to get out. Uh, and I think that about wraps it up. That wraps it up. So thank you guys for listening to the very first episode of What The Blank. We hope you enjoyed it. Please like our Instagram post and follow our page. And we look forward to seeing you on our next episode exactly. titled What The 